All right, so let's pray as we open up God's word. Lord, we thank you, Father, for all the doors you're opening for all of us. We thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit already in this place. And Lord, we do pray that each and every one that's here, their strength will be renewed in your presence. And Lord, we do pray, Holy Spirit, that as we study about your works in the book of Acts, that you blow upon us, you breathe upon us. We want more from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at the book of Acts, an explosion of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Wouldn't you call that an explosion? And the shrapnel from the explosion just kept on scattering. They went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. But now tonight we are in Samaria. So they went from Jerusalem to Judea. Now they're going into Samaria. They're doing what the Lord told them to do. All right. Last week we talked about a hero of ours. What's his name? Because I forgot. Stephen. Stephen, <laughs> the first martyr. And we talked about the glory. Don't you love the glory of God? His presence, his glory, his his kabah, his weightiness. But we also talked about sufferings and affliction that you. You have to have some of that if you're going to experience more of the glory of God, right? And he experienced it. He saw the glory on the face of Jesus as he was being stoned to death. But he also was ushered into the kingdom with great glory. And so, what happened after he died? Do you think that the church went into hunker down mode? Do you think the church went to hide in caves? What you, we're going to find out tonight what happened to the church from there. They... They didn't, get, they didn't get fearful, they got more bold. So let's pick up Acts chapter 8. And we're not going to read through the whole chapter, but we're going to pick out some of the verses to give you a context. Verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and woman, women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Woohoo! They weren't in hunker down mode, you guys. Philip went down into a, to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Everybody say great joy. Great joy. What is the, what is the reaction of the power of the Holy Spirit hitting a city? Great, great joy. joy. Don't you want that in our city? So, after Stephen, when he had died, he was the first martyr. He was buried by some godly friends, and they mourned. Is it okay, and is it important for us to mourn when we lose a friend, even though they know, we know they're going to heaven? Yes, please. Let's make sure we mourn properly, and we grieve for those who are grieving. And so, during this time, there became more persecution. Paul became Saul, who later was Paul, he started to get into a rampage now. And he was going to go and find as many of the believers as he could. 
and so drag them into, into a prison. Wouldn't that be crazy? Already you see one of your heroes martyred and stoned to death in front of the Sanhedrin, and then now they're going to drag more Christians into jail. And uh, we know that he was behind Stephen's death, right? He was the one that they laid his clothes down in front of. And uh, so he was going to make sure he killed as many Christians or he persecuted or imprisoned as many Christians as he could. And he thought he was doing God a favor. Now, I think, you know, this is, this is the B.C. days for Paul, right? Is it good for us to look at Paul when he was Saul? This is important for you and I to look at this man who wrote half the New Testament. This man who was one of the greatest apostles in the church. This is him before. He was going through. He had Stephen martyred. He was running in and grabbing as many Christians and throwing them into prison. He was wreaking havoc on the church of Jesus Christ. And it was before he had an encounter with Jesus. Now, here's something some of us have to understand. You might feel like, you know what? I have been such a scumbag before I came to Christ. There's no way he could ever use me. Do you think that's true? No. No, in fact, I think God takes pleasure in using people who are the worst of the worst of the worst sinners. So I want to give you a, a verse that's not on the overhead. 1 Corinthians 15 tells a little bit about Paul and how he felt about his B.C. days. It says, 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last, <clears throat> excuse me, last of all, he appeared to me, which was Paul, as to one abnormally born. For I am, excuse me, I'm the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Are we seeing that tonight? And he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Where do we get our identity? What did he say? I am what I am by what? Grace of God. The grace of God. Everybody say the grace of God. Grace of God. You are who you are because of the grace of God. Nothing else. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you deserved it. Did Paul deserve to be a great apostle? No. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. As we read through his story, as it unfolds, we're going to find out the grace of God was heavy upon that man. And I want you to know, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, whenever the devil tells you of what you are in your old life, you point him to the grace of God. And you say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Our identity is, is in Christ. Now, do you think that the plan of God was for the church to have a certain amount of persecution to get them out and, and move them and get them into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth? Do you think that Christians have a tendency to stay in one place? Maybe. And that maybe what the enemy meant for harm and trying to put out the fire, he was actually spreading the fire. He was trying to put out Christians and kill them, and he was making the fire even hotter. God was making the fire hotter. 
the more persecution came, the more power came. Is that the way God works? It is, you guys. These guys were not a bunch of wimps. These guys were the ones who prayed in Acts 4 when they were being persecuted, grant unto us greater boldness to preach your word, that signs and wonders would be done. All right, so the fire is starting to burn hotter, and they're going into Samaria with the great gospel of Jesus Christ. They were fearless. But now we see a new character named Philip. Now Philip is emerging, and he's one of the deacons, just like Stephen was one of the deacons. Now were deacons those who served tables? Were, did they serve tables because they needed someone to help with the widows? Isn't that the original thing we learned about in Acts? They started out that way, but were they filled with the Spirit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> These guys not only served tables and helped people in need, orphans and widows, which is extremely important, but they did miracles in Jesus' name. They preached the gospel and they did signs and wonders. And so Philip, he was one of them. He was one of those mighty dudes. And... Um, I just love how the Lord uses ordinary servant-hearted people. Does God use ordinary servant-hearted people? I see LSA full of servant-hearted people. I see LSA full of people who are just like this team of people that serve and say, Jesus, where can I serve? And guess what? He wants to do the things he did through Philip, through you guys. He wants to do the things he did through Stephen, through you guys. And all the deaconesses too. Alright, so their message was always the power of the gospel. Right? We've been talking about that. Don't mess with the message. Don't change it. Don't tweak it to be some new modern message. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will always be the message. And, and God caused there to be a, a following of signs and wonders that confirmed his message. Now, why is it that so many people today don't listen to the gospel message? Why is it today that so many people turn their nose up at Christianity? Well, I believe what they need to see now is what they needed to see then. It says that many people began to pay attention to Philip's message. Do you remember why? Because he was doing signs and wonders and miracles. There was demons coming out of people with great shrieks. That would be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> he did, there were paralyzed people who were healed in front of them. Signs and wonders and healings and miracles all of, all of a sudden just showed people Jesus is real. He's alive. Right? Do people need to see that today? It's not to show off. The reason for, the, the, for miracles, like I've been saying, is for harvest. It's so that many would be saved. Alright, so listen to what Psalm 110.3 says. I hear this, mess, this scripture come through my head a lot of times. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. I'm going to say it again. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. What do people need to do to be willing volunteers? They need to experience the power of God. What does the church need today more than ever? The power of God. We don't need a form of godliness without the power. We need the power of God, just like the early church had. Do you guys think the early church had power? It was moving in power. The Holy Spirit comes with power. All right, so verse 7 says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. 
Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. When God's power comes, demons flee, paralyzed people walk. Now, have you ever noticed, I don't know if you've ever just watched healing services. Anybody ever seen services where a lot of people were healed? Have you ever noticed something? I noticed something, at least in the little school I've been in. As many times he gets in a little cluster and he just starts healing a whole bunch of paralyzed people. Or he starts healing a bunch of ankles. Or he starts healing backs. Tonight's back night! And all these backs were healed. I noticed that here, it was many paralyzed people. Isn't that just an observation I've been making? Sometimes the Lord, I saw a time, a video where a whole bunch of people who had metal inside of their body from surgeries had metal just melt and all of a sudden they're like, they're standing up there showing it, the metal was gone. I mean, the power of God, when it hits, it's just amazing how he, how he moves. And um, I believe he's aching to, to pour out his spirit and do healings today. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. He's still the same. Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. We have. We need to just trust him for it. So there was joy in that city. Don't you love that the kingdom of God comes in righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. So the whole city was impacted by the power of the Spirit that came through Philip and through the early church. Now, I've been fascinated by city transformation. I mentioned it a little bit a couple weeks ago. Um, but, but there's been this little, little series of videos I watched from the early 90s called Transformation. And it, and it showed on each video, I think there was five of them. Has anybody ever seen them, transformation videos? Okay, in it, they would show four places in different parts of the world that cities that were transformed by the power of God. You guys got to see it sometime. But there's this one little town that I can't get my mind off of. It's called Amalanga, Guatemala. It's a little town of 19,000. And I'll just tell you real quickly how this happened. At the beginning of it, of this movement of the Spirit of God, there was, it was a town with four jails, completely filled to capacity. There was domestic violence. There was drunkenness at 7 in the morning. They had videos of it. There would be drunk people laying out on the streets. Their crops were not, they were failing. And there was, there was failing businesses and poverty. And then, there was, it, when an evangelist came to town, they would actually throw stones at them and chase them out. The churches struggled. And then it came to a, a breaking point with this precious pastor, I forget his name. They had, someone had a gun to his mouth, it was in his mouth, and it misfired as he prayed. And so, I'm sure under his breath. And, uh, and all of a sudden, that man took some precious people and they fasted and prayed for their city. And as they fasted and prayed, the Lord began to break the chains of wickedness in that city. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move. And when the Spirit of God begins to move, people get saved. So it started with the healing of one lady. And when this lady got healed, the power of God touched her. Hundreds of people got saved. All of a sudden, this move of the Spirit started to sweep across the town. Well, 20 years of this happening, at the end of 20 years, and they show the before and they show the after in the video, all the jails were emptied out. 
And they had an interview with the police chief, and he says, I have nothing to do. <laughs> they had nobody in the jails. All the businesses, all the people who were, who were drunk all the time became productive citizens and farmers. And they started working the fields. The fields produced 10 times the harvest, if you can imagine that. And they had carrots, no kidding, the size of my arm. Radishes like that. And people came from all over the world. They, you got to look it up. Google Almolanga, Guatemala, because what happened was 85% of that town became Christian. And, and the, they had this harvest, and then people started coming. This is like Canaan. And um, the most beautiful thing, though, is they would have these Jesus marches through the city on the time when they were having Dia del Morte, you know, Day of the Dead, in the neighboring towns. But my point is, the Lord is looking to take cities. You believe that? The revival that happened in the book of Acts sometimes took over full towns, full cities that came to Jesus. What happened to the woman at the well that we studied about? She went, she just comes to Jesus. She goes to her hometown, comes see a man who tell, told me everything about me. Maybe this is the Messiah. The whole town comes out and they meet Jesus and they come to Jesus. The whole town. Everybody say the whole town. The whole town. I believe what is coming is going to be whole towns. And that God wants us to have faith for our city. You want to believe God for Paradise Valley, for Arcadia, for Phoenix, Arizona? Amen. We need to believe God. And so here they were, and they were seeing city transformation because the whole town came out and great joy, great joy came to that city as a result of when Philip was preaching. So now we get to, a, by the way, I want, one last thing about Almolanga. You guys got to study Almolanga. There's a man named Hector Torres who's my friend and he was a part of the video taping. He has gone back recently and he said now there's 90% Christians in Almolanga. It's still going on today. It's not an aberration. Alright, so now, verse 9 through 24, I'm going to try to zip through this story. We're going to do the story of Simon the Sorcerer. Now, back in Samaria, there was this dude named Simon, and he was a sorcerer. Everybody was dazzled by him, and they called him the great power of God. Now, everybody realizes when the power of God's moving, sometimes weirdos show up. <laughs> I don't know why, it just seems to happen. <laughs> so this guy, he was he was a sorcerer. He was under the power of the devil. And he had a big following. Everybody was dazzled. Everybody was impressed with him. And they called him the power of God. And so then, here comes Philip, preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And then a whole bunch of people got saved. And guess what they did? This is important, you guys. They all got baptized. Is it important to get baptized? Yes. You'll notice every time when people came to Christ in the book of Acts, they were baptized in water. Don't ever minimize how important it is. If you've never been baptized in water, we're going to have us a great baptism. Okay? I won't ask who hasn't been. But it is a trend in the book of Acts. They were baptized in water. And so Simon sees this. He's like, Whoa, look at this. And then he begins to notice these the miracles that were happening. And uh, all these powerful things. And so he goes, 
I want to be saved. I want to get baptized. So Simon gets saved. Simon gets baptized. And he starts following Philip around. And he starts seeing miracles more and more and more. Okay, so then, during this whole revival, is this revival, you think? Yeah. It is. This is a sign of revival. So during this time of revival, Peter and John, they hear about what's happening, and they come over to Samaria. And we'll pick up the story, verse 15. So when they arrived, this is Peter and John, the apostles, they, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Is it important to receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. It's very important. And how do they, I mean, this isn't the only way to, for someone to be filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in this case, and in Acts 19 later, they laid their hands on them. Does it say that they spoke in tongues? No. Does it say they prophesied? No. If you haven't spoken in tongues or you haven't prophesied, don't sit there and kick yourself and say, oh, I haven't been baptized in the Spirit yet. God has a lot of gifts, doesn't he? All right? Don't get hung up on it. The big thing is, is we need to be filled with the Spirit all the time. I had this picture, how important it is for us to be filled with the Spirit. One of the main purposes we gather is to be filled. Everybody say, I want to be filled. When we come together, just like the upper room, what was their purpose for gathering? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to come together and I, I get this picture of a filling station and you come here and the Lord pours in grace and the Lord pours in wisdom and the Lord pours in his love and then he says, go out and pour it everywhere you go. Isn't that right? Isn't that the reason for church? Yeah. We get equipped here. We get empowered here so we can go out and be the church the rest of the week. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah. We're not, this isn't just the church. It's when you go and be the church in your jobs, in the marketplace, at the park, wherever you go. So you come here to get, get filled up. And that's it. It's really important. So, so they made sure that all these guys were being filled with the Holy Spirit. But then, really cool Mr. Simon, the exorcer, still had a little problem in him. He decides, uh, so verse 20 through 25, have you read on your own because I, I want to finish this real quickly. But what happened in this story is Simon goes, I got an idea. How about if I give you some money and I can buy this power you guys have? <laughs> you think he had something wrong with him? You know, the guy, the, the guy just figured, hey, I used to be a sorcerer. I didn't have this much power. And man, maybe if I just give him some money for it. Have you guys ever seen someone on TV and they say, I got this little bottle of oil? And if you, if you buy this bottle of oil, if you, if you give to this ministry, I'm going to send you this bottle of oil, and I guarantee you, you're going to be healed in the, by the power of God, because this little bottle of oil, I prayed for it personally. Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> there is. A little prayer cloth. Are prayer cloths wrong? I carry a bottle of oil. Nothing wrong with the bottle of oil. It's the heart behind that. When you attach a money thing to it, there's something wrong with that picture. So Simon had that. So Peter looks at him and he said, he rebukes him and he tells him to repent. Everybody say repent. repent. He didn't condemn him to hell. He just said, you need to repent because your heart is not right with God. In fact, I perceive that you have 
bitterness in your heart. Isn't that interesting? That he would want to buy something and he had a heart of bitterness. But what was that working, what was the Holy Spirit working through Peter when he rebuked him? It was a gift of discernment. Is that an important gift too? Yeah. It was. Alright, so, so after that happened, they kept going and preaching and the power of God came and um, and so God began to move. So now we're going to finish up with the story. You guys know me. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, but I'm not going to spend too much time because we're going to finish up here. This is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You guys remember that? So verses 26 through 40. I just want to, I don't have the verses up here, but I have them right here. So verse 26. Philip again, our hero for tonight, says an angel of the Lord said to Philip, does God speak through angels? He did there. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now notice what it says here. The Spirit told Philip. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit talks, doesn't he? The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What did Philip do? Go, is that you, Lord? I'm not sure if that's me. Is it you? Is it the devil? Now, he knew his voice, didn't he? And it says, then Philip ran. Philip ran when he heard the Holy Spirit talk to him. That's how in tune he was. He ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, and we know the story. He's reading out of Isaiah 53, and he's reading all about the cross. And so Philip, at that moment, begins to preach what? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. What do you preach to people? Jesus. Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. He's the gospel in a nutshell. So he preaches Jesus to them. They cruise up to some a body of water. He says, what hinders me from being baptized? He said, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Lord? And he says, I do. So he goes, then you may. He dunks him. Come out of the water. And all of a sudden, Philip's translated, and he ends up miles and miles away, moments later, in Azatos. Don't ask me how. He was on the express rail, light rail, of the Spirit. Now, the last thing I want to say before we take communion, we're going to have communion tonight, is what was essential for Philip is essential for us, is to hear God's voice. Anybody want to know God's voice better? Yeah. The Holy Spirit was moving through this man and moving through the early church. And one of the biggest keys to letting the Spirit move is learning to hear His voice and learning to run when He tells you something. And I believe He wants every single one of you disciples to just know more how to hear that still, small voice. Whether He talks to you in a vision or dream, whether it's a still, small voice, whether it's a scripture He gives you, However, he's going to talk to you. The Lord wants to talk to us. And I, I want to finish, um, as we have communion too, I want to pray for our country. 
We're having one of the biggest elections, and one of the most important elections we've ever had. And, uh, and I, just, I just feel like um, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us, right? When you vote, He needs to speak to you. When you need to make decisions, there might be some crazy things coming around. I just feel it. I've been hearing some things. Should we hunker down and be fearful? No. Never. We rise up and be bold and be the church. But I want to pray for our country. And I want to read as we, we're going to take communion. It's back there. And I want it to be a time just as we reflect on hearing God's voice. We reflect on this message of Philip and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to do it around the cross. We're going to do it around the table of the Lord. Here's what it says. This is from Titus 3. It says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God appeared, the, uh, and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, first of all, we want to present ourselves as we get ready for communion. And if at any moment you guys want to go back and take your elements, just dip the cracker into the juice and take it. Go ahead. But Jesus, we, we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, each of us. Lord, we want to dedicate ourselves afresh to you tonight. Lord, we, we used to be horrible people, Lord. And then your kindness and your love appeared. We want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your love that appeared in our life. And your goodness led us to repentance. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the cross. We thank you for your body that was broken, Jesus, and your blood that was shed for us. And so tonight, Lord, we want to take communion on behalf of our nation. We want to pray for our broken nation that needs healing, Lord. And so you said if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, that you would heal our land. And so, Lord, tonight we call on your name. And not only do we pray for ourselves, for renewal, that we would begin to hear your voice better than we ever have. That you would fill us to overflowing with your spirit, but we pray on behalf of our nation. We pray for this election, Lord, coming Tuesday. We pray that your people would let their voice be heard, that you would give us wisdom as we make our choices. We pray, Lord, that you would have mercy upon America. America, God, shed her grace on thee. Lord, let your grace come upon America. Lord, we pray we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the least of your mercies, but we're asking you, Lord, to forgive us our sins as a nation, Lord. Bring a renewal, Lord, into our nation, we pray. Lord, grant unto us leaders who fear the Lord. Lord, grant unto us Daniels who will stand up, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, that in our state, in Arizona, in our cities, Lord, we would have an awakening. We would see transformations 
take place like what happened in El Malanga, Guatemala, Lord. We love our city, Lord. And we want to see this city come to know Jesus. So we pray for our city right now.